Welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. It is Browns time again. Everybody loves our brownies. Browns football is our savior. It's our what we love to cheer for. It is the things we look forward to in the fall. And the Browns are in Green uh, Briar, West Virginia, at the Magnificent Club where it is beautiful, where it is, where it, where it is a pristine built club back in the 1700s, famous, and is where they're going to focus for the next week plus. And then they come back to Berea, then they take a trip to Philadelphia, and then back to Berea, then the regular season starts from there. So we're going to get to many different phases here with the Browns over the next few weeks. Obviously, we're going to be leading off to the first preseason game. There was some information that came out about that, which we'll get to. But unfortunately, when there's usually news in the first week of training camp, it's usually because of injuries. And the Browns, sadly, have been bitten by that a little bit here in the first 48, 72 hours here of training camp. They had on sat on, well, basically Friday night, Marquise Goodwin announced that he has blood clots. It's a very serious injury. That's a type of injury that could stop someone from playing football. You cannot play with blood clots um, unless you have a really uh, contained. It could kill you. It's a very serious thing, as we all know. Um, so he has got to focus on his life, let alone what's going on in the field. So Murky's good one is out. It's unclear for how long. A lot of uh, people, including Coach Stefanski, are speaking positively about Murky's good one coming back on the field at some point this season. But it's a, it's a guessing game. I mean, it's up to nothing more else than time. Hopefully, Marquise Goodwin over time can heal. Hopefully, he can conquer these blood clots, which, again, for people who have never dealt with this, it's a very serious thing. Not something to be taken lightly on any level. So Marquise Goodwin started it off, sadly, with a light, again, blood clots, so serious. And then it came out later on Friday night into the weekend that Anthony Schwartz is, is on a non-football injury list with a hamstring issue. And then later today here on Sunday, the 23rd, it came out that Cooper has a little nick, not too much. Sounds like it's a, they call it a tweak. It is not to his previous injury, but he is tweaked and he is day to day. So he didn't practice today. But what this all means is here we are, you know, basically two full days in as you're listening to this here on Sunday night. And the Browns have a lot of injuries to the wide receiver position. They have a lot of people. They're going to have to, you know, obviously we think Cooper's going to come back. Yes. Does those in, do injuries like Cooper's happen frequently in spring, you know, spring training um, and training camp? No doubt. No, no doubt. Something you deal with quite a bit sometimes on, on a team. You really have to be, be aware of that like a day-to-day -day tweak, to a football player, it's going to happen. And in fact, there'll be other football players to the Browns that it goes through. But to Marquise Goodwin, which was sad, you know, we're worried about Marquise. We want him to be healthy. And then you have Anthony Schwartz, which is obviously back burner stuff. But here we are. You know, we're talking about the Browns here getting ready for the season. And they have multiple guys here injured on the wide receiver position. And we're only three days, I mean, two days in. Not even three days in, two days in. And I'm, I don't want to, you know, 
have a heart attack here, but that's a lot of injuries to the wide receiver position. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is your mainstay. Elijah Moore is your mainstay. You know, Mari Cooper, you know, should be ready for the regular season. That should be fine. But after that, you know, Marquis Goodwin and Anthony Schwartz are supposed to figure Marquis Goodwin's going to make the team. That's in question. We don't know Hakeem Grant's status. And you have David Bell. A lot of people are very down on him. I, I don't think he's that bad. I think he needs to get a second chance, see what he's made of. Okay. Then you have the rookie, Cedric Tillman. But all of a sudden, this position that did have a lot of hype going into the season. And, okay, it's July 23rd. You know, I even got to tell myself, don't jump off the bridge. Plenty of time to see how this is going to work out. Plenty of time to see how these things are going to break down for the Browns. Absolutely. And, again, the day-to-day injury, they even said it's not serious for Mario Cooper. Okay. But still, doesn't it doesn't – you don't feel good after these first two days seeing these injuries pop up to one position. Puts a lot of stock into Akeem Grant and David Bell. Is I'm figuring Marquise Goodwin's probably out for a, for a while. And Anthony Schwartz, I wasn't banking banking him on doing anything. But you're going to need to have Hakeem Grant and David Bell play now. Is there probably your six? And Hakeem Grant had a great camp up until he got injured. Haven't heard anything about him. Might need him now. He does have speed. Hopefully he still has speed in the legs. Because they might really need him now. Is Marquis good one? I, I, the bank should be hopeful he comes back at some point during the season. Anthony Schwartz, I wouldn't rely on him anything more than what he is. He's a he's not a good receiver. Nice kid. You want that story to work? See enough of Anthony Schwartz. He stinks. He's just not very good. He stinks. He stinks. And that's a problem because now you have a wide receiver position where Cedric Tillman might be relied on more. In fact, I think he will be. Hakeem Grant, hopefully he's healthy because Marquise Goodwin's not there now. Got to figure he's not there. And David Bell, everybody's person they love to pick on, I mean, all of a sudden, he's, he's your six. The wide receiver room can't take much more on the injury front, and we're only on day two of camp. Not good. Don't feel great today. Little worried. Again, Amari Cooper, I'm expecting him to be back. Don Peoples-Jones, keep him in bubble wrap. Elijah Moore, don't do anything. Don't do any. Just don't. Just stay there. But the wide receiver room, which still has a lot of positivity and a lot of hype. You know, this is a bigger point here. This is the reason why I didn't think it was such a big deal or a bad thing to look at D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins. That's why it wasn't a bad thing to look at DeAndre Hopkins, okay? Because this room, the wide receiver room, constantly gets hurt from all the years I've been watching the sport. It's a position you need to have stacked positions that's not an option anymore you got to go with what you got here deandre hopkins would make me feel a lot better don't have him 
this room can't take many more injuries. And we're again, we're only in day two. Only in day two. Not good. Now, is this jumping off the cliff? No. Does this mean it's going to be a bad season? No. Does it mean I'm concerned? Yeah, I am. I, I'm concerned about the wide receiver position. I should not feel this way. I should not feel this way at all after two days, but here I am. Not feeling great about, you know, hearing, oh my gosh, Ari uh, Cooper is now day-to-day. Oh, why? <laughs> why? And again, he should be fine. He should be fine. But the wide receiver group, a position that was a lot of debate, there's no debate. It's Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Elijah Moore, Tillman, Grant Bell. Marquis Goodwin, hopeful, question mark. Anthony Schwartz. My opinion, I don't think you're ever going to see him this year. Do you have some other receivers in camp? Sure. And you're going to get really excited about Watkins Jr., the new signee. Played in the USFL last year. It's going to give a guy. It's going to give guys like this a chance. Daylene Baldwin. Okay, who's that? Wide receiver from Michigan last year. Mike Harley Jr., wide receiver last year from Miami. Rashawn Henry, wide receiver last year for Virginia. These are guys who are going to get chances now. Is the wide receiver room's taking some hits? It's early, it's long, but in my experience, there'll be you know there's more injuries as you get going, a lot less. In the wide receiver room, this is the reason why it was not a bad thing to sign and make a move for DeAndre Hopkins. too late now can't get it back but that's why that move i said boy if you can make the money right makes a lot of sense to this guy but they didn't do that cedric tillman a little bit more pressure on him now elijah moore a lot more pressure and grant and bell are gonna have to step up or they're gonna get nabbed by one of these other wide receivers i just mentioned their first year Again, it's early. You don't want to make too much of it, but it is a concern. I, you can't make light of it either because this position really can't take too many more hits. And they're not – I mean, they're only in day two. Hopefully Cooper comes back healthy, of course. I mean, that's a huge blow. But again, it's day-to-day. sounds like it's not even serious. In fact, that was a quote, not serious. Okay. And that stuff happens in training camp. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. But Goodwin and Schwartz are real things. So all this debate about who they're going to keep and drop, I think that story line is now done. It's more to the fact, can Grant and Bell, you know, what would be an opportunity at wide receiver for David Bell and Akeem Grant? Time to seize the moment. Time to take the opportunity that's ahead of you here. And that's why sometimes in sports – Training camp included. It's a long process, it's a long journey. And the journey starts. And I do believe in Cedric Tillman and Elijah Moore. So we should be okay. But again, it's a room that's a little bit dented. That's how we started this year. Uh, Nerve wracking, isn't it? Nerve wracking. Oh, day to day for 
Mari Cooper. <laughs> After what happened to Mark, he's good when Anthony Schwartz. Again, Anthony Schwartz thinks. I don't want to give too much credit there. But, you know, two of your, two of your guys, maybe some three, out already. There's been a lot more that's going on at Greenbrier. Not just me chewing through Tums and wringing my hands and worry about what's going to happen to the wide receiver room. So many other things are going on. We come back. Um, obviously, Stefanski's been talking a lot. So has Deshaun Watson and Andrew Barry. We get to all those things next here on the Believe in Land Show. Welcome back to the Believe in Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love coverage after every Browns game during the regular season and preseason, go to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Go to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check it out. I'm there after every Browns game, every Guardians game, and every Cavaliers game in the fall and winter. Also, go to believeintheland.com. Thoughtful coverage of the Browns. Guardians and Cavaliers this coming season. Go to BelieveInTheLand.com. Myself, Todd Hall, along with Tony Camino, we do, uh, I believe, a great job of covering the teams and also Buckeye football and some other things in the city of Cleveland. Finally, go to Believe in the Land on YouTube. If you're watching this, hello. Good to see you. Thanks for watching. And, of course, for everybody else, if you missed something, and you know, what did Andy just say? Go to Believe in the Land on YouTube. Also, Believe in the Land podcast wherever podcasts are heard. So we got some announcements, too, from Greenbrier outside of some entry news. Um, we also got some news from Kevin Stefanski basically laying out what he wanted to do this preseason with the fourth game. Typically from here on out, for those who forget, there's 17 regular season games, so there's only three, se- there's only three preseason games uh, moving forward with the NFL, but – um, this year for the Browns, because they've been elected to play in the Hall of Fame game, they get a fourth preseason game that's played in Canton, a.k.a. pseudo-home game for the Browns, with the honoring of Joe Thomas, which we'll do a lot more next week. So with that said, the Browns get an extra attempt here to do some things, which I think this team could really use, actually. And so Stefanski kind of laid out what he wants to do this year in the preseason. He is not going to be playing – many veterans in week zero. He called it week one preseason against the Jets. You'll see a lot of youthful young players. I don't think you'll see Watson. No way you're going to see Chubb or Miles Garrett. Um, I don't think you'll see anybody on that level. You won't see Amari Cooper. Um, All those kind of guys will be sitting. It's going to be a lot of younger players playing. It will not be the case for the only home game this year against the Washington Commanders. He said you will be seeing some starters playing in that game. And then they take their they take their preseason and training camp to Philadelphia. There will be a lot of in scrimmaging with the other opponent, being the Eagles. So because of that, the preseason game number three this year with the Eagles and Philly will not be played with many veterans either. They're going to really take that game off because of the inter, all the inter squad inter squad with the Eagles, which is great for Watson, great for the team too, not just Watson. And then finally for the Chiefs, they're going to play their regulars for a little bit in that game before they head off to play the Kitty Cats in week one. Um, all that makes sense to me. I know Tony Grossi kind of laid it out the same way Kevin did at WHK. So for, to hear it from those two it makes a lot of sense. And even if I weren't hearing it from Tony Grossi or Stefanski, that's what I would do too. I think it makes a lot of sense. They, need to, they do need to play some regulars in two of these games, and they've chosen week two of the preseason week four, which makes which is fine. They need to get some players in playing time. Um, and as for Coach Stefanski, you know, a big thing in these preseason games for him, before we get to Watson, 
a big thing for Coach Stefanski is he really needs to get into the game flow of managing inside of the game. You know, it's weird. With the Browns and Stefanski, it's very easy to tell when the team is off rhythm or when there's not a total focus of what's going on in the field. Um, some coaches you can't tell sometimes or it's just too much of a mess with some of the bad coaches. We won't point out their names today. But in the case of Stefanski, you can tell pretty quickly when it's not really going the way he envisioned or he's not putting enough attention to certain things on the field. He's going way too much in analytics. I think these games, too, are important for Stefanski. He needs to get into a better rhythm on game day. And I'm not speaking about offense. I'm speaking about the entire game. Offense, defense, and special teams. I'm tired of putting everything on the assistants. Goes on Coach Stefanski, too. And it has to. He's the head coach. The buck stops with him. And he's made changes to the corner and special teams coach. And then I think they needed to make changes, of course. We talked about that here a lot last year. But that excuse isn't here this year. Need to see Stefanski improve. Need to see him get used to a game day situation where, um, where you know, people – how should I put this? Where we're seeing proper changes in game. And, um, you know, I think there are times – where Stefanski just doesn't seem to have a grasp of everything that's going on on the field. It's too much in his play sheets. It's too much of the noise that's going on outside of what's going on with the field, with defense and special teams. I want to see more of that. I also want to see more of that, too, with in-game offense. If a particular play or pass or running game isn't working, you know, change it up. He doesn't really do well with that. Savansky needs to have a run where we feel like he's out coaching the other opponent. We haven't really felt that yet as Cleveland fans. At least I have. You need to feel that. I like Stefanski as a person. I'm rooting for Stefanski. I'm also being realistic about Stefanski. Need to see some results on the field. So I know they always talk about preseason games being important for the players. It's important for the coach. Important for the new coaches, too. And, yes, they have experience. My gosh, the Jim Schwartz have experience. But still need to see more experience from the coach than what we have seen in the past, in my opinion. Okay. Andrew Barry also spoke today on Sunday, and he rattled off some things I thought were interesting. Number one, he did declare he thinks that they have the best pass rush in the league. With Jim in his scheme, the defensive line in this system is the engine. As always, says he takes off the seatbelt off for those guys, and it's about generating negative plays, forced errors, and turnovers. It starts with the defensive line wrecking havoc and putting pressure, uh, putting a premium pressure on the rush ability. End quote from that's from Barry. Barry also says that fits Miles to a T, which I agree with. And we think we have the best pass rush in the league. This is a match made in heaven. I agree with Andrew Barry. So does Darius Smith along with Ogbo over from Houston? I like this. I like this defensive line a lot. Tomlinson's there. You know, quickly on Perry on Winfrey, then we'll get back to his defensive line. 
You know, Paragon Winfrey, enough was enough. That video was terrible. It was bad. Even if it was just that video, I wouldn't bring him back. He has shown he's not mature enough to handle the NFL. He has shown also he's not mature enough to handle this uh, the pressure of playing for the Cleveland Browns. There's a lot of pressure. We we are rabid fans. We want to win on Sundays. I talk about this a lot. Cavaliers and Guardians fans are rabid too, but there's a rabid limit. Now the Browns. We want championships. We want wins. We want the playoffs. We do not like messy situations. We don't like it. We want to see wins. Winfrey had to go. I don't think Winfrey would have felt fit in well after what I just saw. And he's got a lot to work on as a person himself. So Winfrey gone. It made a lot of sense. Tomlinson, defensive tackle. Boy, Jordan Elliott, who I'm not a big believer in, is going to give him an opportunity to also do some things. It's also going to give some opportunities to some other guys, like a Hurst, who we've heard a little bit about. Can he come in? Can maybe he fill in a role? Maybe. Hopefully. It's going to be an opportunity for him. Maybe we see more out of Tommy, Tommy Togia. I don't know. Maurice Hurst, excellent opportunity for him. Ika, the draft out of Baylor, big opportunity. Big opportunity. You know, those guys in the defensive tackle room, a lot's going to rely on Tomlinson. But back to Andrew Berry's comment, I agree with him about this defensive rush. And I'm glad to hear him talk about this. I, I did not like in the past how the defensive rush for the Browns is always not a premium compared to what was going on in the secondary. I've learned this from working at ESPN as I did for 12 years, or not even 12 years. I worked there for uh, 16 years, 02 to 18. The defensive line in football is everything. It brings you the most success. Miles Garrett's gotten a lot of criticism in this town from talking heads and journalists and naysayers of the like. And some of it's kind of fair because he hasn't really performed the way, in certain situations, the way we wanted Miles Garrett to perform to. But this new scheme with Schwartz, with the Zedarius Smith, with the free agent ads, Miles Garrett's career should take off. And as I predicted, I believe he will win the defensive MVP if he's really the real deal. And we believe in him as much as I do. I do believe in Miles Garrett. I believe in his talent. This should be the year. There should be no more. He played 89% of the plays. He's going to get us some rotation this year. With Sedarius Smith on there, he will be able to take a breath finally, which is huge, literally and figuratively. I'm glad to hear that hear that to say from Andrew Barry. And of course, we're bearing the big lead, which is Deshaun Watson. He says he's really good. Quote, he's in a really good place. I think this is going to be a big year for him professionally and personally. We think he's in great shape physically, end quote. It was talked about today. They kind of report they reported about it already on Cleveland.com. Deshaun Watson spoke in front of the team. He talked about situations in his life talked about how it's changed him as a person you know the situation itself as i mentioned here i'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole but it's a rabbit hole where i don't believe a lot of things he's saying i believe the young ladies i believe some things that happen inappropriately court of law has judged and judgments have been made out of court as well with mediation so we all have to move on as people 
And hopefully Deshaun Watson does become a better person from what happened. But I want to say that again. I do believe with those young ladies. I do. But we're in a society, or at least I am, in trying to heal and make people the best people they can be. Okay? So Deshaun Watson moves forward. Quote from Deshaun. Personally, I'm in a different space. Feel really good. Feel really well. Feel comfortable being around these guys in the locker room, the coaching staff, the organization, and just the city of Cleveland. So have an opportunity to go into the season, full offseason, locked in, focused. It definitely feels good, and I want to continue keep channeling and cherishing all the energy, positive energy, that's spread around this organization in this city myself. The whole talk for most of training camp, for me and from others, will be how is Deshaun Watson going to perform? And frankly, it's very hard to predict. Because of what happened in 2022 off the field, because he didn't play it down in 2021, and he only played six games in 2022 amongst a lot of stressful stuff that he brought on to himself with the off-the-field accusations in the courtroom and suspensions and all the rest of it. Sean Watson, it's very peculiar how to rate him. It's hard to put your finger on what you think he's going to do. For people who know or say they know, I don't think that's accurate. Don't know how anybody could know. I could, I barely know how anybody could feel more than saying we had to watch and see. Do I think he's going to be better than last year? Of course I do. Yes. Do I think he's going to perform 2020 to Sean Watson where he led the league in passing yards? No, I don't. Do I think I saw some things last year that give me hope? No, he played poorly last year outside of one half in Washington. He played really well. It won't have football in Washington. Look at it. Look good. But did I see the scrambling um, enthusiasm and excitability in the yards? No. Did I see the scrambling and flipping the ball down the field for touchdowns? Nope. Did I see the scrambling ability to get yardage and to get people open in space? No, I didn't. Now, hopefully with Stefanski, who I do believe has got a great offensive mind, maybe those two can combine to have a big year. There's a really good possibility for that, actually. But I think this year, there is a lot of unknown, which makes it uneasy, which is the reason why when you hear about injuries in your wide receiver room, it makes one like myself a little more nervous. I think that's fair, too. I do. I think that's fair. But Deshaun Watson comes in here with a lot of weapons, with a big cowbell, Nick Chubb. We got a lot of talk today, which I was glad to see. I was really glad to see Stefanski really talk which, of course, he is. But, I mean, he Nick Chubb is an elite player. Not just an elite running back in this league. He is an elite player. He is that good. He can win you a game on Sundays with his running ability. There are very rare and few players in that Nick Chubb can. So there's opportunities just outside of what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. There's opportunities for his team to win. But I think as fans, I think as journalists, I think as everybody else here, we need to have realistic expectations that we don't know how Deshaun Watson is going to perform. We don't. We believe we have some inkling. We might believe we have some foresight. But after what I saw last year, it's hard for anyone to say what you think is really going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Time will tell. 
obviously a very big positive start, which is what you expect in the early days of training camp. And it's what we're hearing from the Greenbrier. Everybody's lovey-dovey, which is good. I mean, look, we see it the other way. So we're not going to complain about lovey-dovey and everybody's happy and having hugs and, you know, lighting candles in the middle of a fire. It's good to see. It's good. Dewan Jones is another illness guy. He's out. Hopefully he will be back soon. No timetable. He's a rookie offensive lineman out of Ohio State. Talkie Talkie, Anthony Walker, everything seems to be back on track with them, which is good. Now, there are some of the positive notes. Does not sound like they're going to have to wait long for those two guys. Sounds like they're on track to be playing, which is good. Really, the only notes is, like I said, Marquis Goodwin, Anthony Schwartz, and a tweaked – something that's tweaked. I'm unsure what it is with the Mark Cooper's day-to-day. And that's where we're at. All that to be said – Long ways to go. You know, I don't want to see any more injuries, as we all don't. But, you know, the big thing from this year to me that I can't stress enough is there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot that's going to happen with the Sean Watson chatter. But there needs to also be a lot of chatter about what the fancy is going to bring, how the special teams are going to change, and et cetera, et cetera. I like the way it's starting off, even with a, with a bit of injuries to the wide server. I like to hear some things I'm hearing so far from the Browns. I think it's a good start. And again, you don't want to underplay positivity. It's good to have positivity. You're supposed to be, but my God, we've been through years where you didn't hear positivity early on. So you, you take it. You take it. So it's a good start. Hopefully the wide receivers can heal up with, with Cooper, especially. Maybe Anthony Schwartz, but who knows? And Marky's good one. Just hopefully he feels better as a person with his blood clots. More from the Greenbrier next week, obviously, and then a week, then about you know ten days out, get that first big game against the Jets in Canton. And before you know it, we'll be rolling the balls out for the Kitty Cats in Week One. Exciting, really, really, really is exciting. And with the new coaches and with the new ads. With the talents already here, expectations are high, even with something that's tweaked with Amari Cooper. That's your Cleveland Browns. We come back, time to talk some baseball with the Guardians. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. You can find me after every Guardians baseball game at Official Cleveland Sports. That's at Official Cleveland Sports. It's part of the Believe in the Land media company, part of the show. You can check me out. Also, you can find me on threads at, at Official Cleveland Sports. You can also find us online at BelieveInTheLand.com for your thoughtful stories about the Buckeyes football in the three teams that we all love, the Guardians, Browns, and Cavaliers. Also, you can check us out on the YouTube page at Believe in the Land. So anytime you want to miss something or hear something that we do, check it out on Instagram and on YouTube. And then there's the Guardians. All that football talk for 30 minutes. And the Guardians just keep moseying along. Isn't it fun? The Guardians had a good week, though. They did very well against the state of Pennsylvania. They went 4-2. and two. Disappointing losses to end the series. They, they actually had opportunities to sweep everybody from the Pirates and Phillies. Fell short, had opportunities in Pittsburgh. Had a lead, blew it with the bullpen. Deja vu all over again. Blew it with the bullpen again against the Phillies, but it was a bullpen game, so hard to really say the bullpen blew it. 
So what do we learn off of a four and two week for the Guardians? Well, I think the one thing that is clear to me is the expectations here have changed. And that can happen in a season. As it can happen during play calls with Kevin Stefanski, we as fans can start having different expectations of what we think of the club. Right now, it's going to be very remarkable for this team to make the playoffs. Why do I say that? Because of all the injuries. Because of all the things this club has had to overcome, and they're overcoming. They have a young staff. They are not able. They are not able to throw veteran pitchers out there other than Savali right now. Puts a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on how you're going to win games. Doesn't make it easy. And so because of that, you have Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, and Logan Allen really lifting the club along with Savali. It's a four-man rotation. There are rumors and speculation that Peyton Battenfield is close, but he hasn't been called up yet. They've had another. They've had two bullpen games this week, and because of the young arms and because of even Savali, they're watching a lot of pitch counts. They're watching a lot of innings. That puts even more pressure on said bullpen, which we've seen in recent weeks. So there's pressure on the bullpen. There's pressure on these young pitchers. It really makes for a difficult situation. And the Twins right now are winning. They've had a great week. They've had a great start to the second half. It's three games up, two in the last call. And the Twins have really taken care of an easy start of the schedule. They played the Seattle Mariners this week in Kansas City. And then St. Louis. I mean... Not a tough schedule here. And then it starts getting a little bit more meteor after that. But this is a stretch here for the Guardians where they finally also get a reprieve on the schedule. After this week, playing Pittsburgh, which they aren't very good. And the Phillies, who are good. That I thought the Phillies series, you know, before I go further into the schedule, I thought that showed a lot, winning two out of three and almost sweeping. I mean, they were, man, a thimble close from taking the Phillies out. That would have been a huge coup. Huge, huge coup. Coup, 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 coup. Coup, 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 coup. But anyways, it would have been a huge coup. Coup, 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 coup. Can't pronounce it. Anyways, you get the picture. I do like where the Guardians are going, even though they're 49 and 50. The bullpen everybody's going to complain about. But, and there's some real concerns about the bullpen. We talked about that there last week. And there's some still some serious concerns about the bullpen. But the bullpen is being asked to do a lot along with these young pitchers. And when you combine those two, it adds for some blown saves, which we've seen. And we've seen some given up runs, which we've seen. Hinches isn't the same this year. Stefan isn't the same this year. We're putting guys in like Tim Heron, the top of the 10th. Should never be pitching that spot. They have no choice. They have to. The one guy who seems to be balancing out is Class A. Class A is back in session. He seems to be grooving, which is a good sign. The Guardians are going backwards, are very lucky that they have some talented young pitching. The Guardians are wonderful at this, as we know. From Sabathia to Cliff Lee to Kluber to Trevor Bauer to Clevenger. Carlos Carrasco to now to the young, you know, to the new ones, which is Shane Bieber. 
Tristan McKenzie. And in this next row of pitchers, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee. And they look legit. The Guardians are really blessed with young, talented pitching. It's one thing to win with pitching. It's another thing to win with three rookie starting pitchers and about to be four. And again, no Cal Quantrill in sight. Throwing some toss, wouldn't even read much into that. Who knows what that means? Then you got the whole situation with Tristan McKenzie. Might throw some toss. Again, nothing I would read into that. And Bieber's shut down right now. Plesak is somewhere in Columbus. Hanging out at High Street and Lane. Singing Hang On Sloopy. It's amazing this team with all that's happened to the starting rotation. They are right there, three games out, two games in a loss with the Twins. It's remarkable. They do have a break in the schedule coming. To play the Phillies in Texas, they went two and four in that stretch. They took two out of three of the Pirates. Not bad. They have some daunting teams coming up in mid-August with the Blue Jays, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati. L.A., Toronto, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, a lot of tough stuff coming up. But it is making this team better. I like how they're playing stronger competition this year. Obviously, at the new schedule, they play everybody. I like that now. And it's helping out with attendance. The attendance numbers are huge for the Guardians. They sold out twice, 38,000, not just 34,000. 38,000, 37,000, 31,000. What a tremendous weekend for the Guardians. Tremendous. They almost sold out all three games. New schedule's working. But the pitching, you know, can you worry about Stefan? Yeah, he's not the same. Worry about Tim Heron? Yeah, he's not the same. I mean, sorry, not Tim Heron. Um, Sam Hinch is not the same. The other lefty. Savion Curry is having a good year. Eli Morgan is having a good year. Klasse looks like he's back. Maybe James Karinczak comes back at some point. And this young pitching, I, I can't believe I'm saying it. I think they'll be okay. And that's amazing. I mean, that's not easy. That you're, to say that about young pitching is just remarkable. Remarkable. Guardians are really lucky. They're, they're a very talented organization to be where they are right now. 49.50 probably doesn't feel that way to most. They really do have everything right in front of them. They play the Twins plenty. They play them six more times in the, to run the season out. Plenty of times to get those games back. They get they have to take advantage of the Royals and White Sox. They play the Royals and White Sox 10 times in the next 13. You have to take advantage of your schedule. And your schedule is telling you. Time to take out the garbage. It's a hot, flaming garbage mess with Kansas City and the Southsiders of Chicago. Gotta take advantage of it. You don't get these opportunities very often. And you're going to have to play Houston and Toronto and Tampa and LA Dodgers. Those games are coming. This is a chance for the Guardians to get their skis. This is a big two weeks, big two weeks for them. As for the hitting, we're really seeing a guy like David Fry come around. He had a huge home run today, huge home run. Like what I see from David Fry. Talented, talented player. They're figuring out some more things about Nail. Need to see more about Naylor. 
Even Cam Gallagher got a hit today. I don't know if I want to see Cam Gallagher as much, though. Freeman's playing more because he's hitting. Jose Ramirez had a rare bad day today, but he's been – and, of course, he hits. Stephen Kwan's really had a nice start to the second half. His average is up 275. Naylor's having a great season. Didn't have the best weekend, but he's having a great season. And, again, that home run by Fry was great today. They're showing some signs hitting. They have to figure out some more things with the bats. David Bell is finally starting to show his worth. He's finally starting to get into a groove. He's had multiple home runs in the last few weeks, few games. That's good. The home run, they're coming. He's had two home runs this week. That's good to see. It's starting, again, starting to figure itself out. Again, they don't have as much power as they need to. We all know that. But you get the feeling this team hasn't played its best baseball. All that to be said, with the young pitching and with hopefully some more power coming, and hopefully the hitting continues to do what they've been doing lately, especially against Pittsburgh and Philly, they have an opportunity with these next two weeks. You've got to take advantage of Kansas City and Chicago White Sox. Got to. Got to take advantage of it. These are teams that are laboring down the stretch. Kansas City looked lifeless against New York. They may, they need to win those games. They play them 10 times. Got to win 7 out of 10. Hopefully 8 out of 10. Do what you got to do against Houston. Hopefully out of that stretch they go, you know, 9-13. 9-4. They win 9 out of 13. That'd be pretty good. That's what you're looking at. But it's razor thin. There's no more injuries that could be had. Aaron Zavalli gets injured. He's get hurt. I don't know if they got enough. They are razor thin. They are at a point where they cannot have another setback with pitching. This is their pitching staff moving forward, and they've got to take it to the max. Can't have any more whoopsies. The whoopsie days are over for the Guardians. Big stretch for the Guardians. They are ready for this stretch. Starts off with Kansas City home, then they go to Chicago. We come back, a little Buckeyes football to wrap it up. Welcome to the last segment here of the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. You can check us out at the Brew Fest. What is that? It's Lorraine County's finest brew makers, local beers, and whatever else. Go to Brewfest. Go to Brewfest.com, Lorraine County. Check it out. Howard Ross does a wonderful job over there. I will be there again in person on August 12th. Should be a good time for all. Also, check us out on BelieveInTheLand.com. Also, check us out at Official Cleveland Sports after every Buckeye football game in the fall, sipping champagne for the Browns and the Guardians and hopefully the Cavaliers, too. Go at Official Cleveland Sports. Check us out at Believe in the Land on YouTube as well. More to come soon about some other companies we're going to be combining and working with here in the future, which should be a lot of fun. Speaking about fun, it's Buckeye Media Days this coming week, and it's a big year, obviously, and it's always a big year. It's a really big year for Ryan Day. This will be the first time I can remember in a long time. I'm trying to remember the last time I felt this way. 
it's been over 10 years. So it's been a long time since I said, well, who is the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes? I don't know. And there seems to be a lot of people who feel in agreement with what I'm saying. That's going to be the big storyline um, going into this media day. Who is going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be McCord or is it going to be Brown? Kyle McCord or Devin Brown? It's going to be a big topic, and it needs to be. Because it is not defined on who is going to win that job. And it's very murky. And this is not an untalented team. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a Heisman Trophy candidate no matter what happens at quarterback. But it's going to be the main question. Number one, there's two questions. One ace, who's the quarterback? Is it McCord or is it Brown? They're watching the spring game. Nothing more got developed after that game. Nothing. A big question we'll have to be asked is who is going to throw the ball to Mr. Harrison Jr. and to many others for the Buckeyes? Question 1B, what's going to happen with Michigan? And I wrote an article about this on BelieveInTheLand.com. And I preached this a lot over past weeks, but I'm going to preach again. I think this is a big time for Mr. Day because he's starting to fall into that trap of John Cooper. John Cooper was a wonderful coach in the 90s in Columbus. Won a lot of big games for the Buckeyes. But could not beat Michigan. Had a very hard time with the team in Ann Arbor. And it cost him his job. Some other things cost him his job, but that was number one. And he got he got away with it for a long time. He only beat the Wolverines twice in one tie in 13 attempts. Two, 10, and one. Not good. Ryan Day now is one and two. That will not last long in Columbus, Ohio. He is going to have to start winning games against Michigan again. And it sounds like a what? Yeah, of course they do, Andy. This is a serious thing now. Last year's loss felt like a John Cooper loss. Most people predicted Ohio State to win. Most people said on paper the most the more talented team was Ohio State. And yet the Wolverines pulled out the rug from the Buckeyes. And embarrassed them. I mean, they wasn't like it was a close game. They slapped the Buckeyes around that game. Embarrassed the Buckeyes with the better team. And everybody returns from Michigan. Everybody returns from Michigan. It makes it very dangerous for what can happen this year between the Buckeyes and Ohio State for Ryan Day. It can it be very, very dangerous. You could lose that game and you can start sliding down a grease pole of fire. And not knowing who your quarterback is is not, not, not good. Also not good that Michigan's got a lot of people returning. But he has advantages. Ohio State's got talent. Ohio State is not lacking that. Ohio State's not lacking the ability to win games. But you cannot lose to Michigan this year. And figuring out who that quarterback is is a big part of it. Ohio State gets a little bit of a break until they go to South Bend. That will not be an easy game this year. Very, very tough game. That's going to say a lot about where the Buckeyes are at. 
But Ryan Day can even absorb that loss if you beat Michigan later in the year. But you got to take care of business in Ann Arbor. Those are going to be the two big topics going around in Big Ten Day media. And for the first time, he's going to really feel some heat. If people thought he had heat in 2022 media day, it's going to be nothing compared to this year. Losing to Michigan and losing to Georgia, putting a pressure under a kicker to kick a big kick in a big spot, is not the way to end the season. And that's what makes it more infuriating. Ohio State had the talent to beat Georgia. And they let it slip away. And they had the talent to beat Michigan. And Michigan not just beat them, they beat them like a drum. Embarrassed the Buckeyes. Proud Buckeyes. Which a rivalry which was one-sided. There'll be some topics, uh, you know, elsewhere too. Jim Knowles in the defense. There'll be some question marks. Offensive line, new offensive line, but they should be fine. Running back situation was kind of goofy last year. Linebackers. But 1A, 1B, who's your quarterback? And how are you beating the team in Ann Arbor? Those are the big two questions. Media day for the Buckeyes is on Wednesday. Wednesday. Stay tuned for that. It's a big, big media day. The Browns got some injuries in the first week of camp. First week. First two days of camp. Uh, hopefully Marquis Goodwin is going to be okay. That was very scary stuff with blood clots. Anthony Schwartz is on a, a non-football injury list with a hamstring. And then we just heard today on Sunday, Mari Cooper tweaked something, but we're not sure what, but this day day doesn't sound serious. Kevin Stefanski spoke, Andrew Berry spoke, uh, Deshaun Watson spoke. The, pre- the preseason's off and running in Greenbrier. The Guardians had a good week. The bullpen is leaking oil everywhere, and the starting pitching is very young. But they are still only two games out of the loss column, three games back of the Twins. They're right there. Buckeyes Media Day is on Wednesday. That was your week that was in Cleveland sports. My name is Andy Billman. Believeintheland.com. Believe in the Land YouTube. And finally, at Official Cleveland Sports. Have a great week. See you next week. Thank you.